Kiora, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kiora Wellington, welcome to B Side Stories. Another week, another great show. That's the plan. You are listening to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. I'm Perrine. And I'm Sadie. Oh, and do I? My mic's not on. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's usually me that makes that mistake. I'm oh. putting my mic on. <laughs> <laughs> I take no responsibility. Uh, it's just because I'm been... in the room. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going, Sadie? I'm good. Yeah, usual. Busy, busy school holidays at the moment. So, yep. Yes. <laughs> nice start to it, this... Nasty weather. <laughs> we were actually tramping in the weekend in the rain. It was good. <laughs> you hardy souls. <laughs> How are you, Perrine? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, so in the second half of the show, I have Medial Masters coming in from the Berenpoor Centennial Community Centre in Berenpoor. And so we're going to hear a bit about that centre and how, I think, how it was set up, how it operates and all the interesting things that happen there. Cool, sounds good. Um, my guest for the first half is Pera Barrett, who's come in from Tawa today. Kia ora, Pera. Kia ora. Thanks for coming in. I, we've got a lot of things to talk about because cool. uh, you seem to be a bit of a renaissance man doing lots of different <laughs> things. Um, the reason I originally heard of you, though, was through a charity that you run, Shoebox Christmas, mm. um, which organises... It sounds like a huge undertaking. Organisers for low decile schools to have gifts delivered to them, which people put together in a shoebox. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that first or if you want to do a wee... Let's, let's go back and do a wee bio. You grew up in Otaki, yeah? Yeah, yep, I did. Uh, centre of the universe, Otaki, just up on the Kapiti Coast. Um, yeah, born and raised there. Uh, moved down to Wellington when I was 18 to um, study at Vic. Um, studied marine biology there and uh, now currently work as a digital product owner in a bank, um, unrelated to anything that I did at university. Um. Right, so you taught yourself technology and uh, IT? Yeah, all the, the kind of the, the cool, smart people that I had around me taught me. Um, yeah, got, got um, have been doing that for the last year, the digital product owner stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Super fun, lots of creative, smart people um, to hang around with and to, to learn from. That's really cool. Cool. So I read somewhere that you um, descended from Weeparata. Mm, yeah. Um, that was where you used to live on Kapiti Island. Yeah. So uh, right? Yeah. So our our Fano and, and Wee's Fano have kind of uh, since the eighteen hundreds have have been mm-hmm. around on the on the, the island. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, my father and auntie started a, a business, um, Kapiti Island Nature Tours. Um, uh, sort of utilising that land and uh, I guess just delivering on on all of our our whanau's role out there as kaitiaki or guardians of the of the land um, in a way that means you can share it with the rest of the world as well, um, which is which is really cool. So a lot of my whanau are um, involved in that and work out on the island or stay out on the island. Um, Fantastic. Mm. So does that mean you're Ngati Toa? Yeah, Ngati Toa and uh, Te Atiawa and Ngati Raukoa. Right. The kind of the confederate of yeah. Evie down here. Uh, have you got any relation to Te Repraha? Uh Yeah, so he, well, more so his, um, so Te Pihi Kupe and uh, Te, uh, te Rangihiro, who were his kind of the the other 
chiefs or two of the other chiefs around his time, um, that's who I fuck papa back to um, to directly. Right. So, and I guess they would have been in that Otaki Waikanae area as well. Yeah. So you've got roots way back. Yeah, so we're kind of, um, like a lot of the, the whānau in Otaki, uh, we're, we're mana whenua out there, so we're, we're from there originally. Um, I mean, yeah, originally to a point, obviously. Pre that, we were kāwhia when Te Raupara and the, and the um, crew came down from up there, and, you know, pre-pre that, obviously, from... Uh, the, the oceans abroad, um, but yeah, we've been been in Ōtaki for a long time, and our um, whānau roots are there, uh, and it's a really cool place to uh, to to grow up. I was talking with somebody else about it um, the other day. It's one of those places I think that can be can be a little bit polarising. People either want to get out of there, um, or they're really attached to it and really um, trace those feel those roots quite quite strongly. And I'm I'm definitely in the the latter bucket. Um, I really enjoy going back there and. Um, my whānau will still live there, so I go back and, and we we do dinners there and have um, you know my my two kids get to hang out with their grandparents and I'm pretty conscious of the fact that that's not the case for a lot of kids um, and a lot of uh, a lot of whānau don't get to share that time with their um, yeah the grandparents or their parents as easily as it is for um, for mine and uh, and me so we try to take advantage of that and spend as much time up there as we can. Cool. Do you feel like Otaki's changed much since you were a kid? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, on the when I grew up there, there was a you know one fish and chip shop on the corner, which was you know that was kind of the the centerpiece where me and my mates would go and hang out. Um, now there's you know outlet stores and um, uh, sub like Subway going there was the sort of like wow we've <laughs> we've really evolved. Um, <laughs> So it's it's a lot, and a lot of that I think is due to the the Wananga out there. So Te Wananga Orokoa, um has grown a lot over the last sort of ten, uh, twenty maybe years. Uh, but that is, you know, that's now the biggest employer of the of of Maori out on the Kapiti coast. So that brings in a lot of a um, lot of people, uh, a lot of visitors to the town, um, which weren't there before. You know, it was kind of the place. I think when I was living there, it was sort of like you were from there or you weren't. Um, a little bit, you know, and and most people were from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sort of stood out if you weren't. Um, but now there's it's a it's a, it's a much yeah. There's a lot more going on there than there was when I was there. Right. So tell me about. So you said you moved into town when you were eighteen mm-hmm. to study. Um, and I know just having read a couple of things online that your life changed quite a bit after that point, and that sort of led to a whole lot of other things in your life. Yeah, but you had some trials to get through first. Yeah, yeah. So I um I had a, a car accident when I was uh, twenty one or twenty two, twenty two, uh, and yeah. Uh, so I was studying at uni. I, I had this car accident where I um, crossed over the centre line and, and into an oncoming car. Uh, I'm not too sure what happened. I kind of just woke up. After the fact, in the car while they were um, while they were cutting me up, uh, so I spent a couple of weeks in hospital. And while I was there, they uh, told me that the woman in the car that I'd hit um, passed away. So I um, was charged with with taking her life, and um, kind of had to process that over the next sort of three or four months. Uh, I was wheelchair in um, hospital bed. Bound, so we rented a hospital bed at my at mum and dad's in Ōtaki, and I kind of lived in that for the next three to four months, um, sort of awaiting trial. Uh, went to went to court uh, and was um, and the judge kind of realised it was an accident, so there were no mitigating 
like I wasn't speeding or drinking or um, doing anything that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, and because I, but because I don't know what happened, uh, I was, you know, by law, when you cross the centre line, um, you basically you're at, you're at fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was charged with yeah, with with taking her life, um, but I didn't get any jail time. The judge said, "Yep, that's an accident. You'll live with the the effects mm-hmm. of that, obviously, for for your life, which I do." Um, and uh, yeah, let me go. Um, so I came back to kind of the world of light and figured out what to do. Or, you know, tried to figure out how to to carry on coping with that. Um, and so I did that at the time through music for, for a lot of it. So um, I'd kind of been doing a little bit of hip-hop, um, performing a little bit, uh, but kind of when I came back from, uh, I guess came back from that court date and and, and got out of bed, um, I realised I didn't really, I wasn't enjoying my time at university. It wasn't motivating. Like I've only got three papers left to do or something, I think, so I could go back and finish that degree and half a year maybe. Do you um, think you ever would? Go I don't, I don't think biologist? so. No, I don't. I don't um, so there's, I can't think of any value that that would add to me or the world. Um, I, I mean, it would cost me some money uh, and I'd then have a degree. But I kind of, I have a job that pays the mortgage and that I enjoy doing. And I have the things outside of my job that I enjoy doing. Um, I don't think having a marine biology degree would change any of that. So that I don't, at this point, see any reason in doing it. Um, but at that time, I sort of realised that, that I didn't want to do it then. So I um, quit uni and, and started doing, uh, knuckling down on my music. Um, so I'd spent more time focusing on that with some um, some help from friends who were doing it, um, doing, uh, you know, who were pretty well-known um, rappers at the time. Uh, and, yeah, released an album, um, did some videos, um, you know, did a bunch of... Did, did a couple of years of kind of slogging it out, trying to make that my my career, um, and then kind of realised that I didn't need to make it a career to enjoy doing it. That I, you know, the satisfaction and fulfilment that I got and get from music uh, isn't about doing it uh, to the point where you have to have you know a song out every summer or you know two songs out, and the more songs you have out, the more money you're earning, and that makes you more likely to be able to pay the rent. But you know you might not be able to pay the rent also. Uh, and so when I realised that, I was like, okay, cool. So I can just keep doing music at a at a level that I at a love level. You know, I'm just mm. doing it for my own love, um, with a couple of little kind of conflicting motivations in there. I have moments of going like, ah, oh, it's like I'll go back to Autaki sometimes, and, and kids will, ah, oh, you know, you're you're um, perceive a eh, the rapper. Oh, cool, like I rap too, and you know, they'll they'll do, do throw me their little raps, and and that's really cool, and that for a little bit makes me go, oh, I should really put more of an effort on there and in, in, in there and and. Um, uh, add value through that way, you know, like the role modeling thing is, is pretty important to me. Um, but then I kind of realized that there's other stuff that I can do, which I think role models and um, offsets some of the negative role models, which is kind of part of what I see as my sort of purpose here um, or, or where I best add value. Um, so I do that through other ways than music. Um, at the moment. Uh, okay. What sort of negative role models are you talking about? Uh, so I guess growing up in Ōtaki, there's a lot, you know, when I was there, there were, and there's the, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, kind of loud speaking role, role models that speak loudly uh, and influence towards negative outcomes. You know, there's a lot, there's, a lot, there's drugs, and this isn't just in Ōtaki, this is mm. um, for, for Māori especially, I, I feel that as my, you know, as who I am. Um, yeah, there's a lot of role models out there. Our stats talk to that, um, talk to the kind of effect of the, the 
effect of the systemic sort of uh, racism and, and bias that exists out there um, for for Māori and, and the, the current system. Um, you know, with 15%, 14 to 15% of the population and 50% of the jails, um, you know, Māori males are the most likely group on earth, Māori young males, the most likely group on earth to commit suicide. Um, those things are... On earth? On earth, yeah. Wow. Um, so those things I am super conscious of and, and kind of that's what I see my overall, the overall mahi work that I do is about trying to offset that stuff a little bit um, in whatever capacity I can, you know, whether it's music or stories or writing or the, the charity stuff or working in a bank, you know, or, or working in IT. All that stuff I see as a potential platform for me to play a little part in offsetting that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of... Right, so that's all stuff you kind of came to in your early 20s, realising that uh, was kind of the role you wanted to take I on? Think, I think what I realised in my 20s was that I have a lot of... I have control over my happiness and my and my mental health. So when I realised that I needed to... I mean, obviously, there were periods after that car crash where I was, you know, wasn't wasn't very happy about myself and, and uh, you know, there's there's survivor's guilt and then there's, you know, just regular old killer's guilt, I guess. I um, don't know what the name for that is, but, you know, I had to face my own um, reflection in the mirror every day and, and deal with that. Um, and so I realised that I had to quite proactively maintain my own mental health uh, and that being happy in what I was doing and doing things that made me happy was kind of the only way that I knew how to do that through trying things, right? So I realised I enjoyed doing music and that was cool, so I need to spend time doing that. Then I started this, um, doing the shoebox Christmas thing a little bit later on and realised, cool, I really enjoy doing this, so I should keep doing that. Um, and I'm also adding, and there's those things intrinsically linked, obviously mm. doing good and feeling good about that. Mm. Good is not a new concept, that's why people do good. Um, you know, it's, there's not, it's not some altruistic thing where I'm like, awesome, I'm, you know, I'm just a saint, I just have to do good things. It's like I do that because it makes me feel good, that feedback loop makes me keep doing more of it. Um, and that's why all that, you know, 95% of, of, of charities exist. That's, and that's an evolutionary thing. Like that's a, you know, your tribe did well if people worked together and helped the people who weren't doing well. So I imagine that's some kind of evolutionary thing that we have in our brains. Um, I was just reading about that actually. Oh yeah? Cool. <laughs> Completely coincidentally. Yeah, 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 about the evolution of humans and how that was an advantage. Yeah, yeah well society, <laughs> right? Like if we want to yeah. work as a functioning society, you, you don't do that by, I mean, we seem to be sometimes a, a good showcase of how to survive while doing a lot of self-harm. <laughs> like me and my mate were talking about the uh, the alcohol industry yesterday on the way out to dinner where beers were consumed, ironically, but um, not by me. But, um, you know, like that is a thing where, like, what, what kind of self-interested society would go, you know what we should do? We should really perpetuate the idea that every time you catch up with friends, you should uh, get on the beers. Um, you know, and if two or three of them lead to 12, like, ah, it's all right. You know, if that results mm. in whatever the billions of dollars of social harm are that, that, that are linked to alcohol, like, ah, that's all right. Like, you would never set up a race or a species or a society with that as a, <laughs> mm. like, that's cool. Do that part. Mm. That We'll accept that if that happens. Um, but we do that for some reason. Anyway, that's so, a long tangent. So tell me about Shoebox Christmas, because mm. I know, I mean, now's the time you're cranking up. Mm. So what is it and how did it come about? Yeah, so so you were absolutely right. So the, the, um, the kind of overall purpose of the 
the project is delivering Christmas presents to kids in um, low socioeconomic situations. So for the most part, we do that through low decile schools, uh, working with those schools. Uh, sometimes they'll uh, kind of say, cool, everyone in the school is deserves you know, would would benefit from having an extra Christmas present or a Christmas present at Christmas time. So for them, it's the entire school. Other schools say, ah, there's about 30 kids here who we know could really do with something extra to smile about at Christmas, so we'll um, we'll deliver presents to them specifically. Um, and that's kind of up, up to the school. But the my um, my kind of overarching um, co-papa, or the, the co-papa of the project for me is that Again, coming back to those negative influences, um, there are a lot of those around a, a low socioeconomic environment. And so for me, even if you are the kid in the house that actually the one house in that street that gets Christmas presents, you are still surrounded by those same external uh, influences. You know, the the mongrel mob pad is still on the corner. The um, You know, the your, your, your uncle still is in jail. Um, you just might be doing okay but you could still do with an extra bit of positive influence. And that's around, um, you know, there's research around the more positive experiences a, a child, especially in a low socioeconomic area, gets or situation gets, the more likely they are to make positive decisions later on in life. Um, and so that's the purpose of it. It's not about you get an extra present or you get, you know, something, a Christmas present just because you don't usually get one. It's about this is a positive experience that <coughs> hopefully influences you to make a better one later on when it when it really matters um so that's what it is uh it started off uh in 2014 uh so a friend of mine uh, mel was was doing something similar in auckland um she said oh you know you should think about doing something in, in wellington so i reached out to a, a school that i'd done a bit of other kind of charity work with um out in cannons creek glenview primary um and they're a little school 80 kids and we we tried it there and sort of realized then that there were more people who wanted to help than there were kids at the school so I was like awesome like next year we'll add another school and we added on um, Corinna school and also Women's Refuge and so that went up to about 350 um, kids and then same thing happened it was like oh man there's so many people who want to do this awesome um, and so the next year we added on another few schools I say we at that point it was really just me and doing through things through like a spreadsheet and um, other like digital tools that are not built to do the thing that I was trying to do with them. So they took way too much time and, and work and swear words. Um, but so then kind of that happened every single year to the to the point of um, probably about uh, maybe 2017. Uh, my friend Joachim, uh, who I don't thank enough, but uh, Joachim, you won't be listening because you're in, you live in Spain and it's probably like... 2 a.m. or something. You'd be surprised um, we get listeners over in Spain. Really? Well, yeah, we're actually no, so, in Europe. <laughs> so there is 7 p.m. for him is, yeah, 7 a.m. or something like that. Always listen to the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah, you will be listening. Um, but yeah, so he helped build a, um, a software system to do the kind of the back admin stuff, some of the stuff that took a whole lot of time. Um, and so we added that into the mix and that made things way, way easier. But by then we were probably at about 2,000 kids maybe um, so we'd gone from you know one school and 80 kids to probably about 20 schools and, and 2,000 kids um, and then kind of kept doing that kept changing the process figuring out what works and what doesn't work what makes me go like makes my eyeballs bleed and what means I still have some kind of sanity by December um, and yeah this year uh, the model is looking pretty pretty good I think my ultimate goal is to step away 
from the project and let it kind of run itself and let the schools and the community do it um, without needing me there to kind of do any of the, I mean, I can do the organising, but without needing to do sort of all of the organising. Um, so this year there's 36 schools at the moment taking part and about uh, 4,000 kids. That's uh, it's nice. It'll probably be about four thousand four hundred kids at, by the end of it, um, and we've got school buddies now. So each school has a buddy linked to them, so they can do a lot of the stuff that I just haven't been able to do as we've grown. Um, and then, yeah, my kind of hope, my vision for next year is that they do a bunch of the the kind of organising with the school and the admin stuff and form a really close relationship um, and I don't need to do anything. Maybe I maintain the Facebook page or something. Right. Um, so it's coordination. People are donating gifts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. So you, so if, if you signed up, um, I would send you... So you'd choose sort of an area close to you and a school close to you um, or one that you can get to during school hours and school term and uh, I would then send you the... Uh, initials of a, a child at that school, their age, their gender, um, and usually, depending on what school it is, something that they're interested in, so a little bit about the kid that you'd know, um, and you would then uh, put together a Christmas present for them. Uh, it's called shoebox because the idea was that it should be the kind of size of a shoebox. Sometimes it's in a shoebox, um, and then, you know, sometimes it's wrapped up in the in the shoebox and the shoebox is wrapped up. People decorate them in, in all sorts of crazy and awesome, very cool ways. Um, a lot of people get their kids involved, and so they'll come and sort of help decorate the the box as well, and they'll go out and help choose the presents, which is which is really cool. Uh, and then you will take that present to the school during school hours, um, and so that's a change that we tried last year. So up until then, the model had kind of worked where you would take the present to a drop off point, and then I'd arrange DHL were, were really helpful and they'd help out with that. We'd arrange get to get that present picked up, taken to the warehouse, sorted, and then taken out to the school. And so that, if you can imagine, across sort of three to four thousand presents was, and you know, thirty to thirty-five schools was a huge part of the of the mahi of the work. So, mm. trying so so last year and this year, having the presents be dropped off directly to the school eliminates heaps of that work and makes it just makes it way more sustainable. Because kind of every year by about November, I'm I'm sort of like, oh, this is I'm not going to be able to do this again next year. My head's about to explode. So um, if I can't get it to the school, if I'm working all day. Yep. Um, is there some way to get it there? Yeah, so then what happened last year is this really cool Facebook group kind of organically formed and, and, and made them um, and, and connected with each other around, you know, oh, you're going to, Sadie's, Sadie's present needs to get to Porirua. She's in um, Upper Hut. I'm going to Porirua from Upper Hut on Tuesday next week. Do you want me to swing by and pick it up from yours and I'll take it to the school? Um, and that kind of just, just happened organically. There was a group of drivers who had set up to, to go and help do that, but this they did their thing, and then this group happened as well, which was nice, super cool. Nice, grassroots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. So that sort of thing's going to carry on. So what do you need right now? Um, it seems like it's a long time to Christmas, but for you it probably isn't. Yeah, so we, we aim to get um, drop-offs happening at the schools for the month of November, so 1st of November through to the end of November is kind of drop-off drop off windows. So um, we've still got kids un, unallocated, so um, so sign up if you're if you're thinking about signing up. Um, head to www.shoeboxchristmas.com co.nz um, you can sign up there for um, for the Wellington for the Christchurch uh, Auckland or Taranaki shoebox Christmas projects um, so we all kind of do it together uh, and also if you're one of the people who's signed up but haven't received your allocation of a child yet um, 
please jump on to the website and log in again and that will send you another verification email. There's about 150 people who have still still haven't clicked confirm on the email, maybe because they haven't found the email yet. But Cool. Okay. Yeah. And uh, do you need any volunteers for driving or anything? Uh, no, we're usually pretty covered for that, but um, I kind of don't know until the till we start getting to that conversation point where people are trying to get their presence out to the school and can't find somebody to drop it off for them. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's people who want to be on standby for that, then absolutely flick me in, flick me an email or, or hit me up on my Facebook um, uh, email is Wellington Chris Wellington Shoebox Christmas at gmail dot com. Cool. We'll put all this on the B sides page too. Awesome. So um, you've also got another charity, yeah, mm-hmm. the which has sort of sprung out of Shoebox Christmas. Do you yeah, want to talk the, about that? The stationary starter packs. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the years in station as part of Shoebox. Um, there was a uh, a girl who one of the teachers asked me to speak to uh, because she'd put down on her on her interests and what she wanted for Christmas. She'd put down um, stationery, and she kind of so we were talking to her. And, and the reason she needed the stationery was because she knew that her parents weren't going to be able to afford her her gear when she started college next year. Um, so she was leaving primary to go to go to college, um, and that was and. And so this girl was in tears, kind of like explaining why she why she'd put down stationery on her on her list, and that sort of immediately knowing that I had these two thousand odd people at that time or whatever it was who were so keen to help, and you know having more people keen to help every year than than children, um, were just sort of sort of jumped out as this is something that adults mm-hmm. could help with, right? It shouldn't be something that a that a ten year old girl should be here worried about. Um, it's something that an adult could could mm-hmm. help with. Um, and so that year I put that out as an idea, like would people want to to, to contribute a, a stationary pack? So I think we just did it through straight donations that year. Um, and me and a bunch of people from work put together these packs. So we, we did about 50 bags, I think 50 school bags with, with the their stationary um, in them and, and dropped them off to the schools. Uh, and this year we will um, do the same thing. It'll be donation based. Like I really want to get the model, I'll, and I'll think more about this next year if I have, if this new model gives me the new shoebox model gives me some headspace to think about it. Um, I really want people to do the building of the packs because that's a really cool part of it, you know, actually being hands-on and going, right, so we need a 1B5 and a 1E4 or whatever and a pencil case and I'm going to pick the bag for them and all that stuff is a really cool part of the process. Yeah. Because um, it's always quite complex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. For both of my own kids. Yeah. <laughs> so so this year I'm actually going to go, I'm not going to do a, so last year I did per school, like what, what, what list does each school have? This year it's going to be, a, this is a generic, stationary pack which covers about 85 to 90 percent of each school's requirements um and that's what we'll give to the school there might be actually they need a you know they need two highlighters instead of one or they mm-hmm. you know they only need one glue stick instead of two but um yeah you so, never, never have enough glue sticks we've only got a couple more minutes but i just realized there's like two things we haven't even talked about <laughs> so you know we've talked about your music we haven't talked about your writing you're also an author yeah yeah um, so you, you've published one book, is that right? Yeah, or? so I s- self-published a book in 2017, a um, little novella thing called The Man Who Writes the Dreams, um, which was kind of weird because I hadn't written anything um, for since college, but I thought I wanted to, and so I wrote wrote this book and really enjoyed the process of it. Again, like that, kind of back to that, caught it all before, like realised I really enjoyed it, so I kept doing it, um, and I've kept writing since then. I've been doing, I'm doing a collection of short stories at the moment. Um, just had my first one accepted into a um, into a publication, which I'm not allowed to say what it is yet. Um, well, still, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's kind of like the feeling when you get the, hey, your song's been added to A or B rotation playlist. Um, 
that first email. So that's, that's pretty exciting. And, I'm, and the, the collection of short stories, is, is they're all themed around bias and um, stereotypes and kind of challenging the reader's assumptions uh, on that stuff. So it's one of those, like, I feel like I'm enjoying the purpose of it as mm. well as the process, which which is always So it all ties cool. together, all the things you're yeah, doing. Yeah, and you've got yeah. a podcast as well. Yeah, well, yeah. so we're, we've recorded four episodes of that, and we're, we're thinking we probably want to get about six done before we launch it. But um, that's all centred around Māori literacy and just good all good talk and good kind mm. of conversation um, Yeah, with a group of mates trying to make... It's, it all kind of they will center off a particular book though so we grab a book and we talk about a couple of those key themes and how we uh, how those themes relate to our own lives or how we've seen them relate to lives um so the underarching or overarching thing being about you know reading's cool see we read these books and now we've had this cool talk um but it's also just fun to sit down and talk about cool stuff <laughs> oh, cool i can see cool. how it's all linking together can so, i just jump yeah. in what's yeah, your good. podcast called how can people find it yeah cool well it's called paperback gorillas like as in the Che Guevara type gorilla not the jungle swinging <laughs> one um so if you go to paperback gorillas so www.paperbackgurillas.co.nz um there's a you can sign up there and then we'll we'll tell you about it when it launches cool mm. There's another one when you've finished listening to your B-side yeah, yeah. back catalogue. <laughs> There's another one waiting for you, Paperback Gorillas. Thanks heaps, Pera. All That's good. really interesting. And hopefully some people who are listening will jump on and um, onto Shoebox Christmas or the stationery yeah. starter pack. Sign up. Um, don't don't leave it till November. You know, a lot of people will message me then and go, oh, am I too late? And unfortunately the answer is usually le- yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, get, get in now. I can say I've done it a couple of times. It's a really cool thing to do because often, you know, it can feel like this horribly self-indulgent time of year. Yeah. And to know that you're actually helping out someone else at the same time is cool for the whole family. So yeah. I recommend it. There are there's kids out there just down the road who don't get Christmas presents um, and it's easy to forget yeah. that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks very much. Thank you. All right, Go we've got one of your songs, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, cool. which <laughs> is, sorry, I've forgotten again, Perceive. Yeah. Motion live, trailer loads of bad advice Chains we broke, not the type we like to show But cold is ice, glacier slow, motion live Prison phones with bad advice, the chains we broke The shameful type, it takes so long, I pray you fight the price fight fight pockets stay in their vice tight tight while we get turned up the life 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 while them trees burn up feeling bright 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 we on that runway paper plane hunt see us spinning through this gun place where your face up dreaming vivid living one frame away from greatness and we did the shit in one take that's what he gave us so we stay up out of sun's lane solar flare bright and i write it for the ones paying more than fair price this is do what we have to same as that did rap music and fans who they never had shit so we put a different take on it acorn and on the bonnet bottoms up a cup of moonshine on it on it on it savage in the shit until i vomit bragging on a little bit ironic but it's better than you got it patterns feeling sick of Bubonic thinking reference just the gift and that you want it You gotta be prepared for hard gods to strive Cause the energy in here don't start from nothing nice Put your boom, boom, cup up Hard to try to see what's up Is that you, you, is that us, us 
program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.